Well, welcome back. Happy Sunday, everybody. Hopefully, uh, winter's just running late and she'll join us when she gets here. Other than that, last session was pretty interesting. We had a lot go on last session. Uh, a lot of um, interludes and almost as if being in that rift brought everyone closer to certain entities and, and, and patrons kind of uh, you know, checking in on their followers, but uh, the team are now officially traveling to the Vale and making their way towards the Rift or making their way towards the Shattered Isles. During this travel, they had finally experienced an interlude with a Rift. It would seem that all the hints and information that they had been learning from both Caleb and other eyewitnesses, including now Elmsphere, who is missing, uh, Cars. Karzan, who's also missing, along with the entirety of the crew that had been brought on board, as they seem to have um, encountered one of these rifts. And this rift seemed to cause existences between different planes of existence, uh, whether it's the Fey, Shadowfell, the Astral Sea, or maybe even a convoluted kind of overlapping of Fey pockets. But for the most part, the, the remaining team, as far as we know, um, Spot, Earth, and Zanith, Puck, and Winter, uh, managing to cling on to the safety of the ship, and the ship was able to finally return back. Um, but we had a, a brief moment there where Zanith seemed to have made a connection with a voice or an entity that seemed uh, inspired by her and... and uh, possibly giving her a gift um, of the champions. Uh, whether or not she was talking with Cord or Cord's sister, it would seem that a voice had decided to reach out and, and both encourage her as well as embolden her faith in Cord, or I'm sorry, in Helm. I was writing today for the Cord Pantheon, and of course it's now stuck in my head. Puck had a brief visit from her new patron, maybe her new patron, um, her dark shadow boy that kind of lingers <laughs> in the background of her life. Don't know. Um, uh, is uh, lunch still missing or did lunch come back yet? Lunch came, lunch came back. Because you because you recast Find Familiar and brought lunch back, correct? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Um other than that, Spot made a sacrifice to the Cat Lord. It's quite possible that maybe the Cat Lord took that opportunity to look into one of its potential followers, as it seems that this rift is a thinning of different planes of existence. And it offered a lot of visions and opportunities of the different players to... Um, have encounters before returning back to the seas of Alexandria, uh, reaching out to only to discover that they've been gone for quite a few days, um, nine days to be more specific, as wherever they went in the rift, it created a time dilation. Uh, and I believe you reached out to Caleb, correct, Earthen, mm -hmm. uh, to make that discovery. Mm -hmm. um, uh, she messed, oh, right, wait. She Zanith messaged him. Did. Yeah, gotcha. that's right. Inverted. Inverted. <laughs> Inverted. Inverted. Oh, stage, oh, stage. Oh, right? You got to do it like stage. Hey, there you go. Right. Um, 
And we'll get the Brady Bunch down one of these days. <laughs> it turned out that Caleb and the ball eater are actually just now leaving Nicodronus, accomplishing whatever mission that they meant to accomplish in Nicodronus. Oh, and you know what? We didn't tell them the name of our ship. Oh, I thought you like did. information. No, we didn't tell them the name of the ship. <laughs> Man, <laughs> it's better that it's a surprise. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Buck on that one. Let's just keep it a surprise. Uh, you know, they'll be in real distress, and we'll show up like the Eagles and Lord of the Rings to save them. <laughs> why? Oh, why didn't they just fly him all the way to Mordor? Anyways. <laughs> Um, I flew up in the air and came back down and everything was gone, okay? Well, yeah. But then again, your survival kind of sucks, so. No, I I rolled really good. It was just everything was gone. (laughs) No one is around you. So with that, officially, you guys are on your... Oh, by the way, welcome to session 50. 50! The big 5-0, if you can imagine that. On top of our episode 29 that we've been mm-hmm. broadcasting out to the greater ethers of the of the of the world. The net. <laughs> but technically it's been 20 days since the defeat of the Fire Titan. You've been technically nine days at sea because of the rift storm consuming quite a few of those days. And there are about three days to go till you reach the veil. <laughs> and I now. Correct. Now you are flying. You're currently yeah. up in the air, um, uh, heading in the direction of where you suspect the veil to be. Um, I don't know if I forgot to mark it or not. Are we at, at night or during the day? I feel like we're at night for some reason. I think we were like, taking up, like we um, ended on a rest, right? Yeah, I th- didn't we wake up and like talk at breakfast the next morning? Yep. That's yes, it. it's the yep. morning. Thank you, because we just had a long rest. Mm-hmm. And you guys are currently enjoying the breakfast meal on the commons de- uh, commons deck of the airship as plus, if- plus uh, advantage on strength. And currently, delicious food. Yeah, and uh, currently uh, autonomous. Um, Constructs are currently uh, helming the airship as well as the automatons or constructs that Spot acquired down in Qualish's laboratory are in the process of being restored and eventually be commissioned to um, service the airship as well. They all have names and faces on them too. God, I hope not. Did you do that? Yeah, remember I, I oh drew, shit, that's right. I drew faces of <laughs> all the crew. <laughs> so, like the two elvish ones, one is Salinas and the other one is Alexander, <laughs> as best as I could draw them. I forgot. And I put, wrote their names on their backs. Yeah, uh, because our crew is gone, and this yeah. is this is my coping mechanism. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So, it's morning. You guys have finished your meal. What would you like to do? Um, well, we've noticed her new bracelet last time, right? Correct. Yeah. I don't remember if we talked about it. I remember like, oh, hey, you have a bracelet. What was that? I think we 
Plus, I think Puck we... acting weird. Yeah. <laughs> I am the, the picture of normalcy. Just minding my own business. Well, the fact that Puck is using that term normalcy is suspect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Puck just like sits in the corner and whistles. Not no, yeah, no, nothing suspicious there at all. <laughs> no, you know how I entertain myself quietly. Mm. Yeah, but you're whistling, see? Oh, is that what that is? (laughs) Um, I want to go up to the crow's nest and try just look and see what's around us right now. If it's just open water or if there's signs of life, signs of other stuff or what. Okay. So head up to the crow's nest. Uh, Go ahead and give me a perception check. As you begin to just kind of take in the surrounding area. Okay, that's a 30-20. Okay. Anything else anybody else wants to do this morning? Anything they want to work on? Got three days of travel till you get to the Vale. Uh, I guess Puck will look at the map again. Okay. Go ahead and give me survival, Puck, as you roll out the map. I believe that's advantage when you use the map, correct? Uh, I don't have anything written about that, but if you say so, I Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure whenever you use the map for the immediate area of use, uh, as long as you're in your preferred environment, oh. which is the ocean, right? Yeah. Yeah, as long as you're within <clears throat> your preferred um, uh, environment, then you get advantage on those checks for survival. Nice. So that would be 16. 16? Okay. We talked about this a long time ago. Did you say to start teaching you Thieves Camp? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I love that idea. Zenith, anything you want to do with your day one of the three-day travel out to the Vale? Um, I'd like to like kind of examine the bracelet and see if I can glean anything. I think Earth had already cast identify, so there might not be anything. Well he had um, cast identify that allowed him to explain it was magical. Okay. But it purposely did not reveal itself to him. Okay. Like he knew it was magical. Identify should have listed its magical properties, but for whatever reason it just did not reveal anything directly to him. Can I maybe like make a religion check to see if I can sort of glean anything from looking at it? Sure. Give me a religion right. check. I like that. All right. Let's see. I'm imagining Spot is currently assembling coloring books to to teach Puck Thieves Can't. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 17. 17? Okay. Spot, anything you want to do with this day of travel? That's just getting started. Um, just kind of getting myself uh, psyched up and prepared to teach uh, Puck's uh, just basic introductory thieves camp. Yes. <laughs> nice. I like that. So, with that in mind, um, for you, Earthen, 
the horizon and the environment is quite strange. There is a sense of the expanding sea. There's a sense of the coastal waters or the the way the waters are starting to appear. You get the feeling that this part of the Lucidian Sea is in constant kind of like storm environment. Whether it's a kind of after effect of the rift and maybe there's more rifts that are occurring out here. There's always this sense that, that that you're looking off into an area that is not quite revealing the truth. Like this day after going through the rift, you just get the feeling that this part of the Lucidian Sea with its proximity to the veil is very much taking on its own kind of organic existence. And you're not sure why you have this feeling. Until you look down to see the silhouette of a familiar person coming out of the hull's deck. While Puck is busy with her map, Xanath is kind of like over off to the railing, examining her, um, uh, her bracelet. Winter is up on the helm's deck, kind of trying to get to know and learn more about the elven constructs. And Spot is assembling um, uh, coloring books for Puck so that she can easily <laughs> learn Thieves Can't. You see Karzen coming up out of the holes deck. What? You're mute. <laughs> what the hell? Where did you come from? And as he comes out, he hears you yell, he looks up. He's like white as a ghost. You get the feeling that he must have hit down in the hull somewhere and didn't get shaken off the ship. All right, I'm going to like hop over and uh, activate my ring and hop over the crow's nest and just fly down instead of taking the time to climb. Okay. You kind of like land right next to him and he's like, um, that really felt like how I got here last time. And are we still in Alexandria or are, where are we exactly? Are we? I think this is Alexandria. Yes, I, I I think we've established that much. What, what, how, where, where were you? I was down in the main hold. As, as soon as the ship didn't seem like it was in water anymore, I freaked out. I ran and I hide and I hid down in the main hold. Um, uh, it just reminded me so much of the last time that um, the storm back outside the Moonshade Isles. Uh, it felt like the same kind of storm and I wasn't sure what to do. I think I just kind of panicked. Tell me more about these moonshade aisles. I don't know what else to tell you about them. Um, they're a group of elven islands off the coast of where I'm from, uh, off the Sword Coast. Um, they uh, are home to many different um, clans and, and tribes of, of elves. Um, that's where me and my fellow Harpers were traveling 
um, to to the Moonshay Isles when we ran into that storm. And that storm ended up bringing me here when Caleb and the others found me. And then I ended up in Gnomeworks. So perhaps I can rephrase my question by explaining a little bit about the teeth, at least what we know. The history here, some great magic happened during the sundering of Exandria and shattered the teeth uh, to what they are now. The veil was up ever since and has always been some sense of a fracture or a tear or some mystical, magical place. Does this sound in some way a similar description to your Moonshade Isles? I guess I'm thinking... Could, what what could be the link between these plays? Is it, is it that these are specific focal points for a reason? Or were they just chosen at random throughout the worlds to tie all these places together? I know that the Moonshay Isles are considered to be um, magical in origin. Um, there are, oh, it's, it is interesting. These, we do have um, a seafaring folk that live in the Moonshay Isles on top of elven folk that live within the Moonshay Isles. Um, we refer to them as Vikings, which could be a parody on the word Voik, I guess. Um, there's many different nomadic fishing tribes within the Mushe Isles. There are also um, uh, quite a few <laughs> mythical creatures that are there. Um, it's also believed to be an anchor point to the Fae, that if people wanted to travel to the Fae, you'd make your way out to the Moonshay Isles. The Harpers keep what we call a lighthouse in the Moonshay Isles a beacon out to the Fae. <coughs> it allows us to call into the Fae and to seek help or to guide people into the Fae if they wish to travel there. A lighthouse. Well, not in the traditional sense. Uh, more of a beacon, I guess. <laughs> I wonder if that's tied to the beacon that's supposed to exist in the teeth. I don't know anything about the teeth, these shattered aisles that you speak of. Um, like I said, I've come here completely by accident. Um, I, this recent, the second encounter with the rift, uh, Earthen, do you or any of your friends have the ability to speak to other planes of existence? To call out to other planes of existence? Uh, I can I can move us between planes in a couple of different ways. The first we experienced last time, which you also escaped from. The other, though, uh, if, if I could learn 
the sigil sequence. I, I could take us there. There is somebody with the Harpers that I think is powerful enough to astral project to me. I... I know that the... I know that the Harpers have aged while I was gone, and I know my family has aged while I was gone. But I feel that I need closure. I need to understand that they know what's happened to me and I know what's happened to them. And maybe I can learn or offer up new information or find more information about these, this lighthouse, this beacon that we know exists in the Moonshells. See if there's a connection to the one that you and your friends are seeking within the Shattered Isles. I, I'm certain, I'm certain I know a spell that could take us there. Um, with that spell, like, I could possibly leave you there if that's what you desire. I don't know if that's what I desire. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's left for me there. Or maybe I'm here to start something new. I've avoided death twice now. I, that must mean something, I think. They certainly thought highly of you while we were there. So highly that they attacked us for bringing up your name. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know if I understand what you mean. Well, after you, after you escaped the dream, um, my companions and I stayed around, made our way back to... Um, what was the name of that inn you told us? Uh, I've forgotten now. Anyway, we uh, made us... Our- the Yawning Portal. Yes, we made our way back to the Yawning Portal um, and came upon some Harpers who were not happy that we brought up your name as if you were alive, as if we knew who you were. They thought we were sullying a great hero of the Harpers. Fascinating. I, I apologize, I think. I don't... Don't know. I'm, I'm not exactly known for making like the right first impression. Well, it's fair, I guess. Uh, so, I I know someone that goes by the name of Calum Starweaver. If we can get a message to her, I think she can astral project to me. And we can get both advice from her as well as give me an opportunity to try to make a decision on what to do. Uh, uh, I can ask the rest of my group. At worst, I can, I, can, I can do my dream sequence again on myself alone and try and leave a message that way. 
What do you think I should do, Earthen? I've been away from my family for more than 10 years now. My daughters have certainly grown into young women now. My wife, I don't know if she still waits for me or if she tires of me. At this point, I wish I had never left, but should I return, what, what would we have? I feel similarly indecisive as you, except that I know I will be reunited with them again in whatever form that may take. What stops you from going now? My whole, my whole reason for being here was to find a place where we could be together, away from the troubles of the Empire. <clears throat> According to Caleb, those troubles are gone. But it's very hard to leave behind ten years of running in fear. Feeling chased at every corner with no friends in sight. Feels like you have four other friends here now. Why not send for your family and have them travel with you? I started to do that. I started to do that back on the island. Uh, I was going to have them activate the teleportation circle on Gnomework so that we could link into the local network and bring the family here because that seemed to be the easiest way to get them safest way to get them here uh that just takes time why not have them go to gnomeworks yes the the portal just wasn't set up yet that was why i'd asked to have the teleportation circle re rewritten so that we could activate it and bring them closer. Oh my god, is that someone calling spot or me? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to talk through that. <laughs> I know, right? I'm sorry. Uh, so while you and Karazan are, are talking, um, Zanith Examining the board. Sorry. That's not That's me, me for again. once. That's, <laughs> me again. That's not me for once. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> While you're examining the bracelet, there's um there's something strange about it. You know that Earth had said it was magical, which you, you feel like it should be magical. Um, it makes sense that it's magical. But as you sit there holding it in your hand, examining the workmanship and 
looking at the eye in the center of the, the where the clasp comes together, the watchful eye of the champion that was kind of like mentioned in the kind of um, monologue in your head of the entity, whatever it was. And it's interesting because they had mentioned that it would reveal itself to you over time, that to to bear the mark of champion, to to become a champion of the gods is to bear the burden of it as well as to bear the burden of its gradual revelation, almost as if you have to go through trials to prove that you're worthy of being a champion. Something that has always appealed to you about Helm and about the idea of strength and kind of the martial proudness of Helm's idea of defending those that can't defend themselves and the idea of, of upholding Helm's intent and those that follow Helm. But this interaction with this statue back in Nomeworks and this strange creature called Erebos, it, 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 it kind of frustrates you a bit. Not understanding completely what this Erebos is all about and what their intent is and this idea that somehow the powers that be have turned in the direction of what's going on outside the Shattered Isles, once again, kind of reminds you of some of the original, like some of the old religious epitomes that you used to read about the gods and the goddesses and the prime deities of existence. Part of you wants to believe that the Shattered Islands are the celestial gates. That somehow this mythical veil, the idea of these islands hiding behind this mythical veil, a lot of your readings, a lot of the teachings have dis discussed some possibilities of what this place might actually be. A place that was so badly ruined during the period of founding and eventually even devastated uh, during the tail end of divergence, <clears throat> there are some that believe the reason why that veil exists is to prevent people from passing through and into the Shattered Isles. Some people believe the people on the Shattered Isles are some of the original people of the original old world and are not meant to be interacted with. And that maybe this idea of the celestial gate is actually a place where it's being protected by keepers and being protected by those that don't want anyone to find out the truth of the idea of the celestial gate. And this is when examining the bracelet, it's, first like revelation of what it can do kind of pops into your mind as a protector and almost as if pontificating on the idea of the celestial gate kind of reveals one of the magical properties of the bracelet once per long west the wearer can activate the bracelet to cast the spell sanctuary on themselves without expending a spell slot the spell's saving throw DC is 15, or the wearer's spell save DC, whichever is higher. Awesome. So once again, being like a 
protectorate, the idea that you could actually cast sanctuary on yourself. And, and just thinking about the bracelet, thinking about it's a tent. And as you wear it and look at it, you realize you don't have to attune to it. Like there's no sense that you're attuning to it because that conversation that you already had in your mind with whatever that entity is gifted this to you. The idea of its protective nature of what it is. And that's when you also notice on the bracelet that there are three other kind of like divine runes that aren't revealed. And you get the feeling that this thing is going to continue to reveal things to you based on how you choose to interact with it, whether it's a notion of the gods, whether it's a notion of what it's linked to as it was presented to you as a gift. All of these things appear to have a fundamental kind of intertwining with this device. And you even get the feeling that after all four divine revelations are gifted, that perhaps then the true power of what this bracelet's capable of may come into focus as well. Puck, as you unfurl the map, and with your normal diligence, you begin to study it, try to get a feel for the, the magical range of the map. A very, very, very familiar hurricane is about four and a half miles from center of the map. You could see its kind of rotation of magical energy. <clears throat> it's the same energy. It's the same thing that you remember when you guys first left Nicodronus and had that interaction with the dragon turtle, Draxelgrix. Oh, damn. He hasn't made any attempt to contact you. It's, he might not be aware of you. But it, you know, then you kind of like look up from the map and you look in that direction way off the horizon. It's kind of like, you know, how like a storm is just about to form way off of the distance. And it's just, you know, cotton ball clouds of gray and, and blue and green. But it's like a long line. And then every now and then a short kind of crackle of lightning, but just hidden deeply within the cloud bank itself definitely confirms in your mind that this might be Draxelgrix again. They don't seem to be heading towards the boat. They just seem to be out in this area currently. Okay. Puck is still the, on, the, the only person who like navigates and makes maps, right? Yeah, even more so now because there's no crew. Um, I mean, this this is kind of one of the things that you've been working on for a while. You were even being mentored on the ship for a while before you guys um, disembarked and had your adventures in Gnomeworks. So you've become proficient at navigation. Um, it's easy for you to kind of like look at the map and you know that there's no major threat around you other than that small hurricane on the map churning showing you that but as you kind of focus on the magical map even deeper 
you can see now the groupings or the large presentation of magical formations around Draxelgrix that would be the merfolk that you remember inhabit their, the back of Draxelgrix. But you're also beginning to see other underwater entities as well. Um, deep, deep in the ocean, way beyond, you know, because you're in the deepest part of the Lucidian Sea, a mega leviathan um, kraken just kind of swims casually at the bottom of the sea some three, four miles down, and you watch it as it just kind of drifts out and off and away. Um, see pods of whales half a mile down, kind of swimming, and then maybe a mile out, you see them breach the, the, the morning water. You see the plumes of water come up as they breach and then go back down. You can see other strange creatures, and some you recognize, some you don't, but the map is being more revealing. It's almost as if as you get better with your ability to interpret the map, the map is getting better at showing you. Now, you don't know if this is the map or possibly your relationship with Dominion. And maybe some of the Dominion power is both you and the map, and it's allowing you to see more that you couldn't see before. Wow. Okay. Can I see if this might be... Um a connection through the veil since it seemed to be something earlier on? Hard to know. Um, give me insight on that one. It's 15. Um, you're too... You're, you're not close enough to feel like it's magic directly related to the veil. It feels like if you, like you still can't see the veil yet, since you're still a good two and a half days journey away. Is it out of the way that we would normally take to, like, is it outside of the planned routes? Or are we kind of heading in the same direction? It's almost like you're kind of heading in the same direction. Okay, so I, sh I should talk to everyone about this um, spot. I think you were, like, next to me. We were about to do some tutoring together. Yeah, it sounds like a plan. So, okay. Well, um, I would love to learn Thieves' Cants so much, if only so we could get away with doing more bullshit together. <laughs> but unfortunately, it seems like... Uh, a storm is a coming. Uh, what does that mean? Anyway. <laughs> we, yeah, no, we're going to be fucked. Uh, we have to 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 kind of get everyone together and make some plans, like, real quick. Okay. I feel like this like, is that scene in Elf when they stop the thing and he just starts like, oh, yeah, no, okay. <laughs> starts, like, folding the papers away, like, mm, yeah, okay, okay. No, next time. I was really excited for it. It's just we don't really get long breaks, Shit keeps happening, and it keeps being pretty devastating on our end. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. Hmm, I'm not. How far are they? 
Can I tell from the map how far they are approximately? Uh, they're about four and a half miles, but they're keeping pace with your pace. So as you guys are moving in the direction of the last navigational point towards the um, towards the Shattered Isles, they are also going in the same direction. Oh. Okay. Theoretically, I would be close enough to do primeval awareness at this point. But it might be too soon to try something like that. Um, yeah, we should get Earthen and Xanath and Winter. <laughs> Everyone! <laughs> Disaster! Disaster is coming! <laughs> you know, if you keep shouting that, people are going to stop believing you. <laughs> I would never stop shouting it when it stops being true every day. <laughs> um, okay, I tell them about what's happening. Oh no. And how close we are to them. And ask them about the possibility of it being a way through the veil. And also reminding them that I still have the magical ear uh, wax to put in our ears. Uh, yeah, because, you do. Yeah. yeah. And the hand and the severed mer person hand. Also, so, oh, sorry. You, just you. to put this on the table, I do currently have um, a breathing underwater spell in my arsenal, which would allow, like, I think a group of people to breathe underwater. But sweet, should, yeah. But also, I mean, maybe a little dangerous. Did bringing you back from the dead just make you suddenly this macabre? <laughs> How this is my emo phase. I have everything. Your but... friends, you know, throwing like blowing up things while your friends are inside and carrying around mummified hands and. Uh, okay, we've been through it. The first one was a mistake, and I apologized, so I resent this. <laughs> but also, we do need to um, decide what we are going to do. And so, just to recap, so we, what did you see on the map? You saw, like, uh, a series of, like, creatures heading in the same direction? Yeah, I saw Draxelhaven, um, which we know has been involved in a few things pertaining to the Vale and Cibos to our goal, possibly. Yeah, last well as, you, yeah, your last communication, Sibo, was on Draxel Grits. Uh, Peroni, too. And Peroni. <laughs> we will never forget Peroni. I, you know, I didn't put his name on any of the automatons because at least I know he's still alive. <laughs> I feel like we will actually repeatedly forget Peroni. <laughs> Um, like every 10 episodes, I'm like, oh. <laughs> wasn't um, there something else we were at the end of this? We're going to be like, you know, oh, level 20. Yeah. I feel like we're forgetting something. <laughs> and Peroni's like in his cell. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. But the question is, if we're going in the same direction, is it the same, you know, pathway through the veil? that um, the, Mar the Martinets uh, and her crew kind of used, you know, I don't know, they had some kind of deal with the merfolk 
uh, in Draxelhaven's path. So what do you guys think we should do at this point? Because we, if we do go in their direction, we are risking a lot. But it also might be a clue. What it- side quest have we not jumped on? <laughs> The, I mean, the pirate one. No, we went there, just not at the right time, and there were maybe <laughs> some pirates, maybe not. I saw pirates. I don't know what you guys saw. The ghost pirates remain um, elusive. It, it feels like this is maybe the only lead we have on, on how to get through safely, right? Or do we... I suppose the is just to continue in the direction of where we think the aisles are. I believe it might be our only clue. Do we have a second option as far as like the map that we have? We could ask the automatons. I I have a spell I could do tomorrow called Find the Path that is supposed to help you find a path to a location, but um, it did not work. Uh, when we were sort of close to the um, volcano, so I suspect it may not work in this area either. Um, I, I realize that none of my plans ever, ever go off kilter or fail. But, um, <laughs> through dedication, self-reflection, and study, I don't know if I brought this up. Um, I can, I can understand. Any spoken language, like just from focusing on the on people's brain meats, and also I can be invisible for a little bit. So if y'all can get me there, I can hang out and just like do planning and stuff. I mean, it, he has to be above water, but you, you know, just just point that out. That's Are we trying turtle? I am. That's our last lead on Sibo. She's our last on uh, one of our last loose ends from No Mark. And Peroni's our last loose hand from before no work. At the very least, I owe Zebo my life. So I'm very much in favor of us meeting whatever is on the other side of this. Because it seems like it's been coming up a lot. And if nothing else, Draxon Havel, <laughs> Draxon, <laughs> Draxel Haven might know more about why we're here than we do at the moment. I'm well, I'm down to go find the turtle. Um, when I did scry on Sibo last, she said, uh, everything's fine. Don't come hang out with me. I've got this. Um, <laughs> which is like her classic line. She just doesn't want to hang out with us. But um <laughs> That was, those were the That's why we're so cool. I don't understand it. It hurts my feelings a little bit. Um, but that is what she said. We did attract a giant undead T-Rex to her home. Do you think that's what it was? Do you think that's like she? why she doesn't like us? You guys are really hurting my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we saw that you are the daughter of Erebos. Well, and what? the daughter no, of Hell. No, you did right? not. 
I have not said that yet. Oh, we didn't. <laughs> I'm the daughter of Erebus. Like, why won't she I, say I thought, anything? <laughs> no, I thought when we plane shifted or whatever, we saw the thing. Yeah. Was that, only, that was all yours. Okay, I'm sorry. We just yeah, no, that was... at Earth, and we were going to surprise her on her birthday with that. <laughs> <laughs> we we thought, did see oh, me like man. riding on Erebos's back, like on a giant statue, but that was. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Sorry. I was associating that with the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're you're clearly well known around here. My point was if you're that known to Erebos, maybe you're that known to Draxel Griggs too. It could be. Do we we think they have a connection? Well, well, I mean, ideally, Drexelhaven wouldn't even know we're there. Ideally, we'd just be able to slip in through the veil without just saying that because he got mad when you tried to talk to him twice. <laughs> well, I'll, you know, I'll keep my mind quiet. I'll get drunk or something. But <laughs> I think... Oh. Uh... <laughs> Uh, gnomish and something else in my notes that I will pull up in a sec. You're fine. That was like, that's for later. Don't worry about that now. That was not pressing. Oh, okay. Also, every animal. Yeah. Um, speaking of, maybe the fish that I used to talk to is still around. Maybe he can give us some information. Maybe Filbert is, oh a, is, is, <laughs> is still hanging with a mirror. I wonder if I could cast Sending to Filbert. Oh my god, Filbert's having a comeback. He probably could, but if he, would he understand you, is the question. No, he wasn't. <laughs> this could be the issue. <laughs> he is a creature, but I don't think Well, I'm going to set the boat in the direction where we kind of try and go to their side. But if it seems like they're going in a, to a specific spot, let's try to meet them there. If it is some kind of specific fey path or however this works uh, across the land. And I don't know if there's anything we can do to kind of hide our presence. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I pull out the, the stone. Oh. Um, I, you know, this this should work. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to try and take the Great Illusion Stone. Hey, who mentioned just... Filbert? Kelly. Why? Yes. <laughs> Is he still around? <laughs> Yes, yeah, making a note. Find his brother Dilbert. <laughs> Dilbert. Um, also, I have a book about mirror people. I think we scratched a little bit of it, but we should probably read it for if we do have to like talk to them at some point. Maybe don't mention that you're carrying one of their mummified hands. Well, again, the mummified hand was brought there by um, uh, what's his name, the Mad Druid. Uh, Mannheim. Mannheim. Grosier. So, I would say 
if somebody if like if anybody knew how to navigate this situation he did and if he wanted to get rid of it there was probably a reason we just haven't gotten around to like finding out exactly what it is maybe there is something in the book maybe it's something I can ask either the mayor folk or somebody but just I wouldn't want to not consider all the options at this point. One of the guys way back when mentioned talking about seeing man way, way back. That's way back. Mentioned about talking to seeing Mannheim, talking to somebody over the side of the boat on one of their journeys when they were coming. Yeah. To <laughs> I was so excited when I thought it was a mermaid. <laughs> um, it's possible. I mean, we do know that like to cross the veil, there probably is some kind of a deal struck or some kind of connection or guidance with this force. We also know that they don't love us. So whatever we need to do to A, help Zebo if she does need our help, and B, cross to the other side or at least find out what's going on a little bit, we should probably plan for that. Well, I mean, I, I can I can try to set the stone on the ship to it maybe make us invisible in the same way that it was being used to hide the, the teleportation circle and all that. That would be, I think, a very good idea. Uh, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of the magic wax, uh, which is good for, I believe, 10 people, which is how much I could get. So together we're uh, five. So that would be the first round. Oh, wait, six. Um, so let me just double check that I have enough. You have ten uses, don't you? Uh, yes, yes I do. Okay. So actually it doesn't say... Mm, it doesn't say exactly how much, but we can say 10 uses. It just says magic wax, because my note-taking is abysmal. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one but, of your rare shopping sprees that you went on. <laughs> Every place is just an excuse for a shocking shopping spree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm just going to give everybody a little bit of wax. So if we do encounter them earlier than we thought, uh, we have some protection from uh, being killed. Or being mem mesmerized by whatever you're able to hear. Because supposedly it's supposed to prevent you from the magical siren song that you're going to hear while traversing through the veil. Ooh, okay, so yeah, yeah. your dying's all on us. <laughs> it's yeah, those those are choices you have to make. <laughs> do I choose to live or do I choose to die? <laughs> I'm gonna uh, so yeah, hand everyone. Maybe in addition, I'll um, gather everyone and pop the dome on the deck because no magical effects are able to pass through the dome. Um, just in case there's anything else that is a problem. Um, and everyone can go out and I'll just, I'll just sit in the dome <laughs> like all day. <laughs> I, no. uh, I'm going to find a place, see if I can find a place on the ship where I can install the, the stone and essentially set like a, a cloud formation as what we're going to look like. We just look like a big moving cloud. 
up in the sky. Okay. Yeah, because we're like flying. So, yeah. And the oh. illusion's extrovert. So with you guys being inside the illusion, you can see out perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. It's just that anyone right. looking in your direction would just see a cloud bank just kind of moving <clears throat> up in the air, which you guys are currently 500 feet up in the air. All right, we're headed in the direction of the turtle. Uh, are we just following the turtle? Or are we following the other like creatures? Does it seem on the map like we're kind of just heading into the same direction and that's why we're keeping pace? Like we're heading to the same spot? Or does it seem like we're completely parallel to each other? Like you're parallel. It's almost like they kind of drifted into your area, but then started moving parallel. So at about four miles out, the hurricane that keeps Drexelgrix hidden and in constant motion is moving off in the skyline. And as all of you are sitting on deck, you can see four miles out the the huge circular skyline of like the storm that's out there. Meanwhile, it's almost like it's going in parallel with the direction of the airship. Like you guys are just kind of. You get the feeling that you're keeping up with it because the airship is fast enough to keep pace. Hmm. So maybe let's get a little bit closer, but still keep like a mile away or something. So we're not directly in its line. And when it seems like there is an opportunity, we'll try to just kind of get in there as fast as we can. Um, isn't a hurricane, a big circle. Aren't we flying? Couldn't oh. we go over and in? Doesn't it just look like a hurricane on the map? Isn't it the turtle? From what you guys recall a very long time ago, you did encounter the hurricane. Yeah. And it oh, seems okay. that this is the barrier that kind of surrounds Draxel Grix whenever he's moving. Whether it's magical or not, you're not sure. Um, it's kind of almost like a defensive barrier, maybe. Um, depending on how tall the hurricane is, um, if you just if you could navigate to the eye of the storm, it's possible. Okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's a, that's a very good idea. I'll I guess. Do we want to do this like right now, or do we want to wait until it seems like like the right moment? Is my question. What's the right moment? I don't know. I truly do not know. What is our objective? I guess rescue Peroni. Rescue Peroni. Okay. I mean, uh, and find Zebo. I mean, but... Zebo, but sure, Peroni. I guess. Uh, and I also mess- to get through the veil. Hmm? Should I try and send a message to either of them, or should we just keep it low key? Hmm. You know. Hmm. It's 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 your call. It's absolutely your call. If you feel like, I guess, if you feel like. This they wouldn't be able to detect us, although they might be able to detect us either way. So, uh, truly, like whatever you guys think is right. This is kind of above pucks. Uh, okay, 
Um, Interesting. I guess let me send a message to Sibo and say, um, approaching your location, don't want to be detected. What's the best way to get on the shell? <laughs> But I say it all very serious. <laughs> it, like Winter's looking down from the helm's deck, and like, did you just really ask for the safest way to get? How do we go on the shell? How do we get? <laughs> so your message Bring... goes out, and there's a bit of a kind of delay. Um, but a few minutes later, you hear Sibo's voice in your in your head. I have worked out a deal with the Council of Tights. Um, I can inform them that you would like safe escort to the city. Oh. Oh, wow. Uh, she's worked out a deal with the Council of Tides. She can inform them we'd like safe escort to the city. Oh my god, amazing. Zivo, she continues to surprise. Is it still appealing now that we know we wouldn't have to be on the turtle? Or does that kind of ruin it? I think we just moved there faster now, right? We don't have uh, to be sneaky. <laughs> all right, I'll uh, I'll send a message back, basically telling her uh, that would be great, and we're approaching. Ah, we're good. I will, um, I I will have an escort prepared for you on the edge of the hurricane. Uh, you'll notice. How are you traveling by sea, or please respond. <laughs> uh, I'll send another message back saying uh, that we're uh, we're in an airship um, flying about 500 feet up. Oh, we're looking at um, In that case, um, traverse over the hurricane into the eye of the storm. Um, you will see the community on its surface. We can only be on the surface for a short period. Land quickly. Uh, prepare the ability to breathe underwater. Okay, I got that. Okay, I'll uh, I'll convey that. We gotta uh, land quick. Apparently, they don't surface for long, so we will be underwater. Okay, I can definitely help with that. Um, I'm gonna try and read as much of the Merfolk book as I can, specifically pertaining to Mer hands. Uh, is there anything? You can investigate. Give me investigation as you kind of like read through the book quickly, trying to pick up some idea of lore or information regarding the merfolk. Oh, 23. 23. There's no real specific mention of the, per of the you know, hands as a reference in the book. Um, the book talks about all the different kinds of clan and tribal existence of merfolk underwater. They live in all aspects of different parts of the sea. Um, there are also very dangerous merfolk um, groups as well. Surprisingly enough, you don't come across anything about merfolk living on the back of an ancient dragon turtle either. There's no real specific reference to it. Um, 
merfolk tend to be led by leadership groups. They have underwater communities. They tend to harvest what they need from the sea. Um, one of their favorite tactics is to pillage and plunder sunken ships that you know find their uh, find their way into storms and sink to the bottom and become prizes for merfolk to gather things from those ships that sink. Uh, they're very opportunistic communities. Um, they're very family um, focused. The, the clan and the family are always going to be more important than the outsider. It's considered highly unusual for their clans to work together. They tend to work like very isolated regions of the vast part of the seas. Um, merfolk have an aversion to tritons. Um, they Tritons and merfolk have fought many wars over long periods of time um, over access and, and control of certain areas of the vast ocean. Um, the book is a good understanding of the, of the history and lore of mer merfolk. You are a little concerned, doesn't mention anything about Draxelgrix or Draxelhaven. Um, Draxelhaven being the official name of the community on the back of Draxelgrix. Um, so sometimes it's known as Draxelhaven, and sometimes you could just refer to it as Draxelgrix. None of that's mentioned in the book, nothing about a hand. The book just kind of focuses on the kind of lore, the politic, the, the family idea of the merfolk, those that are bad, those that are kind of neutral or good towards the outside world. Um, they are inherently suspicious of what they call land dwellers. What about sea elves? Uh, give me a history check on sea elves if you want to. I mean, like their relation, the, the merfolk's relationship with sea elves. Not really mentioned in the book, but you can give me a history check, see if there's any lore or something in your memory you might have learned in the past about relationship with sea elves. Uh, that's a 14. 14? Once again, not a whole lot is known about the interpersonal and inter kind of like kingdom relationships. Sea elves are magical sylvans that do make their home in the sea or on islands within the sea and they focus clandestinely on that kind of magical sea life existence living both on land and in the sea at the same time merfolk are exclusive sea dwellers um, so they are always dominated by the importance of the sea itself um, they have fought from time to time but nothing uh, you know unique about that I mean territorial uh, battles and wars get fought over territorial locations all the time um, no real sense that sea elves are any better off or worse off than tritons although tritons definitely have a longer history with the merfolk just curious uh, the, I'm probably getting too far ahead of myself but um, do the merfolk have a relatively consistent appearance as a species or are they kind of just like whatever you know like there's all different kinds of no one really bad styles like your fish people um, they are aquatic. They're an aquatic lineage. Um, they do have tails and they have torsos that are humanoid in appearance, but they have a lot of kind of 
aquatic features about them. They do have gills. Um, they're known, like the book talks about them having um, torso-aligned humanoid flesh of various bright colors, but their lower torso is very much that of a, of a fish species, um, scaled as well, but multicolored and multifaceted. Um, they are innately magical creatures. So their entire population is capable of magic. Um, and they're known to use magic that manipulates based on their existence within the sea. Um, if they do join together in larger groups, they will normally um, organize a council and these large groups kind of behave in cohesion with each other to kind of, for the betterment of the larger community that they're trying to form. Often when they do this, it's either has to do with their ceremonial relationship with their God or as a natural way to defend themselves from an outside threat. All right. This one is a terrible idea, by the way, so. <laughs> but is it? Not surprised. What's that? I'm not surprised. Uh, one thing I'm going wrong, but um, I discussed it and I'm good at it, so I was going to turn myself into like, you know, an auto merfolk. You'll be a sea kitty. That's my favorite. Eyebrows. That's so cute. <laughs> the puck agrees <laughs> emphatically. <laughs> and then, like, if any of the uh, if any of the fish people want to question, I just turn to them and just be like, "Okay, hey, bro, that's really racist," and I just swim off. <laughs> hey, bro, that's really racist to just swim <laughs> off. <laughs> I don't learn them. Yeah, it, is a, it is also a fish. Have you ever seen otter folk before? <laughs> <Otterfolk>. <laughs> Ooh, I gotta make it out. Otter <laughs> I like the idea of otter folk. <laughs> so what's the plan? Uh, I guess we're jetting towards, uh, towards the turtle. Okay. Been over. So as you guys inform Winter and she makes the navigational changes to the helm. Um, the automatons kind of kick in and begin to glide the airship up to about a thousand feet. You then begin to notice with your your map puck that the hurricane has stopped moving, like it's sitting in place. And as you guys begin to drift closer and closer, the crackle of the storm-like environment is now below you. A good 100 feet below you. So the, the sheer wall of the storm is a good eight, 900 feet tall. And as you come over the edge of the wall of the hurricane, you find yourself in the eye of the hurricane. And looking down into the eye of the hurricane, you, you watch as this massive coral um, a rock-like community just breaches the surface. It's huge. It's maybe one to two square miles in size as the dragon turtle brings the, the shell up and out of the water. <laughs> as you watch all the water like kind of drain away, there's no sign of anybody as you begin to like descend, except you see two familiar faces. You can see Sibo dressed in 
kind of strange aqua attire. And standing alongside Sibo, you could see Peroni. And the two are just kind of like waving up at you as the airship begins to land on this flattened uh, shell and coral-like structure. He's alive. Oh, my God. Zemo. You watch as the two of them are looking up. Yeah, they're like... They're like looking up at your ship just as the gangway ropes are dropped. And all of you get in kind of like quickly shuffling down its side. Winter's the last one. Winter then reminds Spot that when she shrinks the ship back down, it should protect the constructs as well. It'll shrink them down with the magic of the ship. So as all of you come off the, the gangway ropes and on to the platform right alongside Sibo and Peroni, you watch as Winter kind of like invokes the elven rune with her fingers and this magical light kind of appears. He watches the ship shrinks down to its kind of toy-like size. She goes over, picks it up, drops it in her bag. Um, Sibo's like, well, imagining seeing all of you. I'm assuming since you're alive that everything is quite fine over no mooks. Puck just like hugs Zebo. Oh, oh, thank you so much. Uh, no more, oh, yeah, no more. Uh, yeah, um, I I know it was a little bit of a stretch where I ended up at, but uh, it was kind of important as as I learned quite a few new things. Uh, you you watch as Peroni like leans down to whisper something towards. I know, just so, um. Are you all prepared to breathe underwater, or shall I cast a spell for you? Oh, uh, I I'll can cast spell. a spell. Um, you want me to do it, or do, do you already? I'll take Sibo's spell. Wow. I'll take it too. Um, how, I just want to be clear. Uh, the inhabitants here, are they pretty cool with us, or should we um, potentially disguise ourselves and just gotta kind of pointedly look at Earth and just... Uh, I... I, I think, first of all, paranoia is best left out of the equation. They are people that can be reasoned with, which I have successfully gotten Peroni and others out of their cells. Um, <coughs> I, I, I think I've created a situation that they, they tolerate us is probably the more accurate words to use. Although, can't think of his name right now, but they do have a militant kind of leadership um, uh, that runs their armed forces. Uh, a bit of a fella that looks like a shark. Very kind oh, of... Yeah. Uh, shoot. Starts with a G. <laughs> uh, um, Grimfor or no, 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 uh, Grimgore or something like oh, that. Hang on. Gorgrim, I believe. Gorgrim. Yeah. Yes, he goes by the name Gorgrim. He's the general of the Tide Council's armed forces. He is not a fan of us. So just be very mindful. I, be, you know, maybe be very. Just so, okay. So I, I just want to get your opinion on this. Not like Spot just holds up like a half finished, like uh, sequin tail and like oh, a, uh, uh, what, like a clamshell bra. Just like, so no, <laughs> no, no. Fine. They wear normal. Clothes that are resistant to water. They what is that? Is that from one of your performances? Look, I'm, I'm a tabaxi. What do you think I know about living underwater? I hate. Uh, 
I don't even know you know that much about living on land. To be honest. I think Sibo's got the right of it here, Spot. All right. Just shovels off. Well, all that work on the costume. <laughs> I think you should still wear it. I think it's great. Well, uh, I think this would be very helpful. And she kind of swipes at the air and all of you begin to have a feel like a sensation of gills forming in your neck. You could feel like these long and short slits in your neckline. Uh, this will allow you to breathe underwater for the next seven days. It's oh. um, it's awkward at first, but I assure you, you could get used to it. Merfolk are telepathic, so that's how they do their communication. Um, I'm going to introduce you to the the Council of the Tide probably tomorrow. My understanding is, is that they're traveling for religious purposes to the edge of the veil to make um, a, a sacrifice to their god. Um, I believe it's known as the god Prasada is who they worship. Um, evidently, they believe that the veil contains Prasanna's home where they live. They make sacrifices to the veil, and then they return to wander the great Lucidian Sea. I have told them that you require safe passage through the veil, and I have negotiated that for you. Wow. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. It's the least I could do for you saving my city and my own people. And I mean, I'm sorry I couldn't be there when things finally came about the way they did. Um, but I had every trust in you and all of you. Well, maybe not the kitty cats, but the rest of you I was perfectly fine with. Um, I knew you would come through, especially after you defeated the Fire Titan. But there's another quarry I'm looking for. And I believe they're already on the Shattered Isles. Who are you looking for? I think it is somebody that you remember. Goes by the name of Mason. We're looking for him as well. So yes, maybe he's a lower priority now. He has teamed up with that particular nasty lizard folk, Varys. And the two of them seem to also be colluding with the Martinet and her companion. Although, when I've scribed on the Martinet and her companion, they are not human anymore. I believe Mason has successfully turned them and has made them vampire. Mm -hmm. Now, I've already sent my Dampier friend home. She was here for a little while. Once she knew I was safe, she felt confident that it was okay to go home. I was expecting to, to see or hear from you guys a long time ago. But for some reason, when I tried to scry you for about nine days, I couldn't locate you. I don't know or understand what may have happened. Did something there, happen? There, there, are rifts, there are rifts in the veil exploding, expanding ever outward from 
rifts in, in the planes, exploding ever outward from the veil. And somehow we got tied into one of those sea storms. Um, our friend here, I think you recognize him from the island, or maybe you didn't know him before he got there. Regardless, our friend here comes from a world, from one of those rifts. We That's fought a dragon. I'm gonna pull out the the dragon scale. We fought a we fought a we fought a dragon that was not from here. That was also from one of the rifts. Uh, that would explain some of the strange creatures that uh, some of the merfolk had spoken to me about. Um, you, no, go ahead. Are you aware of some of those creatures that are beneath us right now, including? What is truly a gargantuan kraken? Yes, the high siren Lirale. Um, she she has made mention. She she sits at the head of the council. I've had two or three meetings with her about some of the strange. The merfolk here and the council are very religious folk. They believe that Prasanna is upset, and they are the cause of the gateway of the veil being opened and closed, and therefore these rifts have to be appeased through ceremony. That's one of the reasons why they are traveling to the veil currently. Do you know who is going to be sacrificed? It's not so much a who as it is uh, as much as a what. They don't do... Uh, living sacrifices. They do what's called an atonement. They've built a massive effigy of persona and they've decorated it with all matter of wealth and gems and um, are seeking to give that as the initial offering. If there is a response or a what they call a viewing or a an oracle kind of a gift back to them then they know Prasanna is listening to them and then they will continue to make these gifts from all the different merfolk families that present their offerings during the ceremony supposedly they believe it's a ceremonial way of appeasement to appease the great god okay that sounds peaceful I can I'm, I'm okay with that that's good to know have you uh, met a merfolk named Stormy by any chance Stormy. Name doesn't sound familiar. I've mostly been dealing with the council and the folk that were folk that work with the council. Um, uh, Draxel Haven, I've not spent much time in their community, so it, it's possible that maybe there's someone there of that name, but I've not met them. You know, um, if we were to, would they take it kindly if we were to offer our own uh, offerings for this, if we were to come in, or they see that as an intrusion? Well, you're not merfolk. I don't know what they would think of it. Except maybe it might be seen as blasphemy. So I don't I don't know. I'd have to ask. Maybe you should put the tail on. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a good idea. That's a good idea. One more question. And I kind of like take her to the side. Is there any merfolk or anybody listening to us? No, because you're above water. Okay. I kind of take out my bag and I don't pull out the hand but I kind of open it so she can see it what do you have oh my what do you know about this 
I'm not entirely sure. Where did you get this? Uh, it appears to have belonged to someone who had previously been in contact with this group. And I'm just in not contact certain. with the merfolk here or lived here? Or did you interact with it somehow and learn that? How do you know this? We assume it's the same group. We know that they traveled with our former crew before. And we know that he was in a great rush to get rid of it. We're just not sure what that is. But if you do hear of anything, please let me know. And also please um, keep it a secret. Well, um, as soon as we are underwater, I will take you to meet Nerissa. She is the chief counsel who uh, advisor to the, to the Tides Council. She will get you um, uh, a place of uh, residence or, or to stay while we're here journeying to the Vale. Um, assuming you and your friends decide to stay, um, I will inquire with her, Puck. I will see if she knows of anything related to this. I, I will not require the item. I will merely bring it up in council with her and see if she is knowledgeable of such a thing. Well, please make sure she does not know that we possess it in any form, because I don't know what kind of trouble it might bring. Uh, good, good point, but it, it feels like an artifact of sorts, maybe. Maybe this is something that is missing from their own reliquary vault, perhaps. Maybe it has deeper meaning to them, and who knows, maybe we can earn bonus points by returning it to them. If it is, but the man who formerly possessed it was aligned with some questionable things, and I just want to make sure that I'm not incidentally bringing them trouble instead of anything else. Understood. Understood. Thank you for showing this to me, Puck. It's good. Good thing you did. It might have value. that point, you guys hear a great blast of a horn. And the surface of, of of the haven begins to kind of kind of rumble a bit, and you feel it begin to slowly lower into the water. And you watch all the coral neighborhoods begin to fill slowly with seawater, as all of you are now slowly going underneath the water, and you can just feel it kind of like. And the water, as you guys start treading water, and then you're easily submerged under the water. You can feel the water pour into your gills and you're able to breathe. But more importantly, the gills through the magic allow you a certain kind of buoyancy. So it's easier for you to kind of like exist under the water. And oddly enough, it's not cold. It's, it's very kind of temperate water as well. And that's when you begin to see dozens and dozens of merfolk begin to drift out of their different like little spots that they were hiding at the edge of the water before you know the shell finally submerged um and you can see this one particular merfolk she's getting 
like she's making a beeline specifically over to where she could see Sibo and Peroni. Um, and this is probably the one that Sibo mentioned um, being um, uh, Narissa. Yeah. Narissa. Being Narissa. Um, and she comes over. Um, it's kind of like swimming their upper body, um, wearing kind of like a chainmail vestment that's made out of small silver shells that are intertwined and interwoven with each other. She's then got like a skin, like a fish skin outer tabard that kind of like denotes her diplomacy status within the council. She's got long braided orange hair with uh, a, a shell crown along the brow. Um, her eyes are very deep yellow and, and, and very piercing and her like lower body being the torso of uh, more of a tr tradition of merfolk, but the scale colorations are like pink and yellow and orange and blue and green, all very vibrant and kind of like passing along, you know, in coloration, almost like a shimmer. Um, and you can hear her in your minds. Welcome to my home. Like her mouth never moves. I have been assured by Sibo that you are to be trusted. And she has earned my trust. And welcome to Haven. We are currently traveling towards the Vale, where we will be uh, conducting our annual sacrifice to Persada. Hopefully uh, you will be in attendance and you could see how our people work in one with harmony of nature and the sea. Be mindful of where you go in Haven. Some places are off limits because it was declared so by the council. Most of Haven is open to you. The great underwater markets, the taverns, the refractories, as well as the observation platforms are available to you as well. Be mindful of the citizenry. Now, please follow me and I'll show you to your quarters. And she begins to swim away and you watch as Sibo and Peroni begin to follow. And then you watch as um, uh, Kraxen kind of, uh, or Karazan kind of follows in behind um, as one by one, you guys are all kind of in a, a, a thin column swimming towards a very large coral-like structure. Uh, let's go ahead and take our five-minute break. And when we come back, we will do the second half. And of course, I forgot to grab my water. <laughs> so, spot. It's a magic item, not a not a specific spell. You're muted. 
I saw you post that. That was my bad. I thought I I, I have oh my bad typed out. I just didn't realize I hadn't sent it. <laughs> yeah. There's Puck. Just got some tea. Uh, I was going to make a point before uh, before we went down to be like, you know, hey, uh, you got some shady stuff going on. That's why I'm going to take SIBO over you right now. <laughs> now, uh, just like that. Uh, now, now, just because I'm an evil warlock in, in a tent <laughs> with a shady Man. figure and not I telling you things, I I'm didn't suspicious. say you were evil. Now I'm the bad guy. Evil. I just said <laughs> pure I didn't warlock. Say you were evil. Just because he's, I just said, uh, I don't know that I can trust you right now. <laughs> he's a warlockist. <laughs> I'm a classist. <laughs> bards forever. The master race. Wow. Okay, I see how it is. Bards, bards forever. <laughs> All right. As she guides you over to this large coral-like structure, it's in the very center up towards um, the front of Haven. It's really strange because as you're gliding through the underwater currents, you know, you're looking down on what must be the largest creature in existence. I mean, you could see every now and then a huge flipper that's many thousand feet long kind of come up and slowly go down. And you could kind of feel that the, the, the dragon turtle is slowly moving forward. But then you look up and you realize that you're still in the eye of the storm. And the storm is actually following along as well. So it's like this very kind of like underwater grandiose vision of, of things going on around you as you're drifting up towards these coral peaks um, in the background. Um, it's kind do of they, like... Go ahead. Oh, do, they, do they look uh, anything like the coral finger or or the coral structures that kind of popped up on Gnomework? Ooh, that's a good question. Give me a survival or nature check. Your choice. Let's see which one's got the better bonus. Uh, nature. That's a 21. They definitely have a similar... Uh, feeling about them being actual cor coral, whether or not they're directly related, you're not entirely sure, but this is an entire community built out of coral and on the back of a massive dragon turtle. Um, the coral that you remember back in Gnomeworks, back in the Underdwell, um, felt more like the over time the waters receded further away from the edge of the <laughs> island and left coral, you know, structures behind you know that were just kind of taken over by the gnomes that were cast out um but i mean whether or not they're directly related it's hard to tell it's a strange oh. feeling because you go into the internal structure of the first coral spire that you come into it's at that moment that you come into like these corridors and you can see other merfolk doing different things. Um, they don't seem to write 
on paper, they seem to write in coral tablets. So you go by one group of about 30 merfolk that are probably doing scribing activities, recording history or recording information from the council. Because you get the feeling that you're closer to where the council is probably seated at this point. You go by another place where merfolk prepare food very uniquely. Nothing's cooked. So all their food is prepared, you know, in raw styling um, and therefore is prepared. And you can see like a kind of like cylindrical object filled with um, uh, the, the preparation of many different types of fish and seaweed and, and underwater kind of flora fauna that is being taken off down a separate hallway. You then notice something really strange. You pass one room because they don't use doors. Everything's coral structures. There's no sense of privacy or doors attached to anything. But some of the doorways are a strange kind of shimmer. And here you can see other humans and humanoid folk in these other rooms. And that's when you begin to realize that the shimmer that you're seeing on the doorway is a barrier between air and water. By the time you guys are brought to your quarters, which is a massive underwater suite, um, you watch as Sibo and Peroni pass through the barrier first. And then one by one, you guys are now in air, like you're in a dry space, this, this, this large communal room with lots of smaller rooms attached to it. Um, and then the person that had led you here suddenly shimmers herself. And as she passes through the barrier, she takes on a human form. Um, she polymorphs into a human. Long hair. She's just wearing very kind of like simple, colorful clothing. Barefoot. Um, but there are signs of her kind of merfolk coloration in her polymorphed appearance. Um, this is your quarters. Uh, I do hope... Sibo, that you and Peroni will prepare them for tonight's meal. Um, I would like to present them to the council this evening as guests in Haven, so we can better align the different polarities of the community and not make this visit secretive in any way. Sibo kind of looks at... Um, Edder and goes, I understand. I, I will do what I can. I'm sure they already have a million questions for me, but um, uh, I will get them prepared. Um, and, and you watch as Nisara kind of like, um, there are refinements that you can wear to the event this evening. Um, it will be, of course, underwater as the council is um, more apt to want to be in their merfolk form. You will be presented um, your group name as well as any affiliations you'd like presented to the council. Uh, the council will probably ask you very simple pleasantries and questions. Are you enjoying your stay? Are you looking forward to the event? You know, the niceties of those that are paying a visit to our city. Um, other than that, I leave the rest of the preparation up to the gnome and uh, Peroni here. Um, 
I will send for you later this evening. Would, uh, would any of the chefs appreciate some help in the kitchen? I'm quite good at this. Just just passing out there, like a mark of goodwill. You watch as she looks over at Spot. Well, it's much appreciated. Um, no. And she just kind of like turns and like <laughs> steps out of the shimmer and transforms back into her merfolk out in the, in the hallway. And it's really weird because as she swims off, I mean, it's like, the barrier between the dry room and the water-filled hallways on the other side, it's, you know, you could touch the water, your hand comes away wet. It's, it's some, it's significant magic that's being used here. Spot, this is exciting. We get to eat um, merfolk food. We have no idea what that's like. I mean, it sounds like it's just ceviche, but eh, you know, what <laughs> 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 it's a ceviche. How are you gonna mix ceviche? How are you gonna mix ceviche in water? I mean, come on, man! It, it's... <laughs> you just see Spot like trying to spoon all the fish meat into a bowl. It just floats up. <laughs> you have any limes down here? Any any limes, lemon? Yeah, no? yeah. Squeeze that lime juice out. See what happens? <laughs> Yeah, I think this will be everybody's home for the next. Uh, this will be everybody's home for the next few days. Um, I'm sure you have, must have a million questions for me. Um, I actually have a question for Peroni. Oh yeah, all right, yeah. What's yeah? What could I? What could I do for you? What were they going to do to you? Oh well. <laughs> Uh, when I was overhearing them, you know, are, are talking about a great ceremony and sacrifice, <laughs> I assume they were talking about me. And so now they're just going to sacrifice a big burning effigy? Uh, why would it be burned? I'm going to look at Sibo or a big effigy, whatever. I look at Sibo after that with that question. Uh, well, Peroni is not the sharpest tool in the shed. He just misunderstood why he was being held prisoner. I've been able to negotiate all the other prisoners to be freed. Most have been sent back to where they came from. However, there's one particular prisoner that I have convinced them to keep in a very dark and secluded cell. I believe... Say more. Go on. Um, I do believe the... You've heard of the Guild the Thunder Shroud, I believe? Uh-huh. I believe they have their guild leader here in prison. They had found a, a series of destroyed ships with their banner. Um, there were a few survivors, and they were taken prisoner. Well, the other survivors were hired sailor folk. They did not seem to have a direct link with the Shroud. Um, I was convinced after speaking with this individual that... This is the leader of this organization. I would very much like to go speak to him. I, I would imagine you would, but unfortunately I have to get you introduced to the council first before that would be allowed to happen. It would not be considered good etiquette to do that without introductions. Well, as far Fair. as Peroni goes, I mean, we were very scared for him. It seemed like on every single trip, one sailor was taken by the merfolk. Yeah, about that. Well, it turns out what they do is they learn about our species through, I, I, 
I, I guess we <laughs> we call it hostage taking. They just call it yeah, live with them for 30 days. And they learn what they can and they eventually let you go. Although sometimes people stay. To be honest, they treated me so well. <laughs> I just didn't see any reason to go back to Nicodronus, to be honest with you. I just figured things had moved on and it was <laughs> just time for me to stay somewhere new. And I like it down here. It's kind of nice. Now that I'm not being threatened with being thrown into the giant mouth of a shark, I'm... <laughs> I'm kind of okay with that. What? Do you know anything about what they were doing on our ship? I mean, we we know they had some kind of connection with the Martinet. We know that the shark people were hiding on our ship at one point. Do you still have one of those uh, diamond things you took out of the aberrations? Uh, no, I used them on my... Um, oh, I gave, I gave one to Zevo. Uh, and I use the other one on my um, bow, so there, it might still be like attached to the bow. Sibo, you you wouldn't happen to remember those arcane diamonds that we said came from that aberration, no? Uh, I remember. Yeah, I think I have one in my pocket that that Puck gave me. Yeah. So those came from. Whatever that shark guy brought aboard. Uh, you watch as both Sibo and Peroni kind of give each other glances. Um, about that. Well, um, Golgrim is a very unpredictable individual. Well, Lanka. Lycanthropeness within merfolk communities is not normally possible. It would seem that this has recently happened to one of their merfolk generals who has the ability to change from a merfolk into a shark. He leads a particular extremist group within the merfolk community. Now, he's been placated by being put in charge of the general forces of defense of Haven. He does answer directly to the council. More importantly, um, uh, the council leader, um, the uh, the high siren, she keeps him on what she calls a short leash. Evidently, he was, that was an unsanctioned visit on the Martinet's ship. That's never really happened before. Normally, the exchange of a prisoner or offering to the merfolk happens at the point of the Vale. Um, they arrive on Wales to guide the ship into the Vale. The prisoner or swapped individual is given off over to the merfolk, and the ability to traverse through the Vale is then allowed to happen. Um, it would seem that Golgrim specifically targeted the Martinet ship because of a particular person on the ship. Someone that they knew that went by the name of Madris. Mithras? Mithras? Well, possible. Mithras. They knew this person as Madris, but maybe Mithras is who they meant to find. I don't know. They said it was somebody that had a direct connection with what they call the beacon. 
Well, that sounds like that. That sounds like who we're talking about. If you're referring to the Martinet's concubine, her her, her partner that she travels with, <laughs> I would agree with you. Yeah. Oh no, we are familiar with that son of a bitch. <laughs> how's, how, how's, how's your scars, Puck? Are they healing up nicely? <laughs> Not the mental ones, no. Well, you do have a bit of a dark lining around you now. Something. <laughs> your energy is very different. I'm kind of in a goth phase at the moment. Oh, well, I do like the dark look. It's very, very lovely. Brings out your eyes. Brings out your dark black eyes. The very dark. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a hint of a voice in your mind, Puck. You recognize Dominion's voice. I don't really like this one. She's strange. Oh, she's lovely. You'll learn to like her. I don't know. There's something strange about her. her her magic is bigger than she looks and I don't mean that from a short perspective because that would be very offensive to me oh well, yes you're probably shorter than her too but your magic's big nothing to worry about <laughs> you know what this is a compliment I'll take it ah good just be wary of that one I something about her vibe and then you gotta like feel the, the cold, dispassionate disconnect of the voice from your mind. Oh. <laughs> she better not betray me. I will lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to force you to make a deception roll to avoid saying that out loud. <laughs> I feel like the mental scar yeah. tissue is built up so much that Puck is like <laughs> struggling with her inner monologue. Just like inside this, like, oh, yeah, I'm just thinking, but outside it just seems glaring into space. Those facial tics and twitches. (laughs) Um, Zebo, how were you able to, how do you say, connect with them so much? I mean, you didn't even know Merfolk existed last time we spoke to you. You wouldn't believe us. Um... Well, I didn't believe they existed as far as in the in, in the manner that you described them to me. I knew merfolk were people that lived in the ocean. It just never occurred to me that they would live in such a large community, more importantly, on the back of a great creature like this. Um, I was going towards uh, a, a particular volcanic field, um, trying to stay ahead of Mason and the others, um, my intent was to find a vault near one of the volcanic peaks. Uh, Once I arrived there, I found a lighthouse, a beacon. The structure was maybe 100 feet tall, made of obsidian and marble and other strange stone-like structures. presented an opportunity of travel for me. The beacon was kind of enshrined in a ceremonial riddle of sorts. I was able to figure out the riddle um, and it offered me and my companion the ability to travel anywhere we wanted to. Unfortunately, at the time, we were being hunted by magma creatures. Um, uh, Quite seriously dangerous creatures. 
I don't know why, but we were about to be attacked when the beacon activated. And the first thoughts were, here I am about to die. And the only thing I could think of is a giant turtle with a city on its back. And sure enough, we were underwater in amongst the coral structures. We were taken prisoner. Um, it took quite a few days for me to convince them that it was not intentional. And here's the crazy thing. We can't see it now, but I could show it to you in the morrow. They have a beacon structure here as well. These strange lighthouses, I'm beginning to think, might actually be connected. Puck, your stories about this place do not give it uh, <laughs> do not give it enough credit. This place is unlike anything I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I'm still not sure what to make of it. Wow. And you trust this place. You trust the people and this strange creature below us. I don't know. I think when you are many, many <laughs> miles from your home and you're surrounded by something you've never experienced before and it's all underwater, trust becomes a very thin measure of hope. I hope everything here is good. I'm trying to learn what I can. While I'm not convinced of their actual intent of their ceremonial offering to the, their perceived god, I, how is the saying that the humans often use? The, the verdict is still out. I, I think they're peaceable people, but not all of their people are of like minds and not all of them are as welcoming as some of them are. They have their problems just like any other community might have a problem. I see. Well, we're very happy that you're safe. Can I roll inside against her story there? Mm-hmm. If she was being completely forthwith or... Sure. Well, I'm happy that all of you are safe, too, after the journeys that we've been on. And <laughs> looks like that we're about to go on as well. That's uh, a 30. A 30? <laughs> was it a nat 20? No, it was a 18. <laughs> I mean, I she, seems, now. <laughs> she seems genuine in everything that she said, like she's not being deceitful in any way. But you also pick up on the notion that she's not being fully revealed in every way. She's holding some things back more out of concern about what she still doesn't know. Oh, uh, have you seen a fish named Filbert? A fish named Filbert? Not particularly, no. Um, can you speak with fish? Can't you? You're a druid. No, she's uh, not. Well, uh, I, I, I just don't... I can't imagine a fish would have much to say. <laughs> other oh. than don't eat me. <laughs> Oh, Philbert has plenty to say. A whole personality, really. You'll meet him, I'm sure, unless he's been eaten. 
<coughs> well, fish around here aren't really taken as pets. They're, they're mostly harvested for food. So, uh, you, you know, the natural order of things. Um, but if, if you see, uh, uh, you know, a fish that reminds you of the fish named Filbert, and, um, well, you know, uh, uh, tell it to run away, I guess. <laughs> not, not a healthy life around here for fish. Um, I appreciate that. Um, are we allowed to explore before we meet in this evening, or should we stick around this area? Oh, no, you're free to explore. Um, the The very back end of the haven is off limits to everybody um, uh, who is not of the merfolk uh, order. Um, they're you know, their local communities and their observation platforms and their, uh, you know, sub... Keep in mind, uh, the rest of Haven is underwater um, and caters to the merfolk specifically. While they do have what we would call inns and taverns and merchants and shops and uh, craftsmanship and, you know, people that make things and do things to support this large community... It's just done in a very different way, of course. Um, metallurgy down here doesn't exist. So everything down here is, if it is metal, it's usually scraps that have been taken from sunken vessels and used for very specific purposes. Um, most of the natural things that they use down here are made of um, water, animal bones, and scales, and coral and everything that they could find in underwater situations like this. Um, they do have uh, a great deal of their internal coral structures built with a mix of kind of coral and whale bones as a way to create structures. Uh, they don't really have furniture here like we do up on land, of course. You see, they because they float and swim all the time, you know, they don't really see a reason to, how shall they say, take a load off. Um, uh, they remember it can be daunting after a while. Everything they do is telepathic. So if you're amongst a large crowd of merfolk, it could be very overwhelming at first. So be, be mindful of that. Um, if they do approach you and, and choose to have a conversation with you, have a conversation with them. However, um, there's an organization called the Shell Keepers. They answer directly to Golgrim. They are denoted by their shark emblems on their chest plates that they wear, their, their, their coral plates that they wear. Better to avoid them. The timekeepers are the ones that keep the order of the community. They're friendly enough that if you need help, you can reach out to the timekeeper guardians that you might see wandering about as well. But I cannot stress it enough, do not go to the back end of Haven. That is strictly off limits. You understand? Why? Don't know. I was just told it's off limits. Hmm. Do you guys, can we go to the lighthouse that you mentioned? Um, I can get you an invitation to it as soon as I get you introduced. Until then, it's unfortunately I cannot take you there. It is connected to their religious dogma, so 
once I have you introduced to the to the Tide Council, then I could formally request a meeting with the priestess that resides in the in the lighthouse and can present a formal introduction to her as well. Understood. Thank you so much. Of course. That's the fifth time you've said humph, then. Is there something that's bothering you? Indigestion, perhaps. There are always things bothering me, Sibo. Didn't you know this by now? I don't know if paranoia is a form of bother, but yes, I understand your point. We are all in our dark era. <laughs> um, are we allowed to explore the town a little bit? If you'd like to, of course. Okay, Puck returns to being a little gremlin. And uh, does anybody else want to go explore? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Shenanigans resume. Um, how do they deal? How do they trade? I mean, are, will they accept gold coins? Oh, they're very fond of wealth. Absolutely. Uh, gold, silver, platinum, copper, diamonds, gems, jewelry, um, anything. They are uh, great purveyors of wealth as well. Um, you'll notice on their person they tend to wear a lot of shiny things. It is just part of their culture to a certain degree. Um, that's why their offering to Persona is an offering of a large amount of wealth, um, as they believe that will bring them good fortune. I think it might be good to see if I can make use of some of the magic in this area. So where might I find magical goods for sale? Depends, I think, on what you're trying to find yourself. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Is there not like a, I don't know, a ward or a... Or a section, or are they or they all spread out. Well, I mean, you can go to the coral markets. There's probably plenty of places there. Keep in mind, um, a lot of what they have here are things that they find in the deep sea. Um, there could be some quite marvelous opportunities of items here. Um, there's the coral crafts. Um, there's the. Um, there's the title alchemy. They are uh, they are very good at making very specific potions as it relates to being underwater. And, and also keep in mind, too, that their weaponry is designed for being underwater. If you have weapons that you wish to use underwater, it, it could be problematic. You And, you know, unless you have magical abilities to kind of overcome the fact that you're in the deepening water as well. Although... By no means should you ever draw your weapon in this community. That will immediately get you thrown into the coral prisons, and I will have to work very hard to get you out. It is considered uh, very offensive to show your weapon at any point in time. In fact, you'll notice that the title watches or the title wardens do not carry weapons either. They use their innate magical skills. Magic down here is far more popular than the physical accoutrements of weaponry. Hmm. 
Good. That's what I'm looking for. Um, you might ask. Do I look like one who wields weapons? <laughs> well, um, there's also near the marketplace. There's a place called the Seashell Sundries. Um, there is uh, a particular person there. Um, he goes by the name Brightfin. Um, he is, how shall we say, a curator of, of of relics and other things that are found in the bottom of the ocean. Um, he might be a good contact point to, to, to see what he has in his offerings. I like the sound of that. Amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Puck and Spot. Like, I mean, I'm clearly not going to steal anything. Oh well, that's not going to fly with us because <laughs> we we are strictly stealing. <laughs> that's why. No, that's why I'm emphasizing that I'm clearly not going to steal things. <laughs> if you want to steal things, please go somewhere without me. <laughs> Hey, Spot, do you want to um, get something to eat? Because it's been a long day. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so go to the cool artifice place where we might get something cursed. Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll say Spot and Puck are having this conversation. Um, we'll say um, sure uh, Punch decides to stay behind. Because it's very, he's pretty much useless in the water. He's already like scratching at his gills, just being very uncomfortable with them. Oh. So he just kind of finds one of the small bedrooms or, or rooms, and Punch is just gonna like curl up and immediately oh. fall asleep. I'll get him some 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 of the good fish. He doesn't like being a catfish. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. That was worth a D6 inspiration. That was very bardic of you. I, you know, that was definitely it was, very bardic of you. It was one of those. <laughs> I say it? Am I really going to say it? Yeah. I'll say Puck and Spot are like having this conversation as they leave out into the coral corridor outside, which immediately plunges you back into the warm water and you guys start kind of drifting down the long hallway in the direction of the coral markets. Earthen and Zenith, what would you two like to do? Winner's already like just kicking back over by where Punch is and she's kind of reading a recent book she got a hold of and and kind of just keeping an eye on Punch and looks over at the two of you and just like, oh, I'm staying here. I'll be fine. I'm going to wait to do my looking around tonight. Uh, I... I really like the sound of uh, dropped relics and things that might have been found at the bottom of the ocean. I'm going to go meet this Brightfin guy. You want to go with? Sure. Sounds good. I'd like to maybe... talk about that uh, thing on your wrist on the way. Sure. Not much to talk about, I don't think. So what? You got secrets now, too? I wondered what Sibo said when she... Talked about Puck's aura. She's acting weird, right? Very. Like, <laughs> like, really turns off her camera. Like, <laughs> since we went to Faerun, 
Yeah. That sudden interest in Helm. Yeah. I, I noticed she wears this like black and silver chain with like the symbol of Helm on it, but it's all like black and silver and gothic looking. Wait, I don't. I think I totally missed that. Is she wearing a symbol of Helm no. now? I'm just making. Oh, okay. It oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, he's just being a bard. Oh, okay. They can't have okay. crosses. Don't make sense. So it's just instead of crosses, it's like. Tons of necklaces with little helms on them, right? Yeah, and like just a lot of really heavy eyeliner, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of my room! <laughs> Door shuts. She's putting her bangs so over one eye. Oh, God! <laughs> her hair is black and it just covers one eye for some reason. I don't, I don't She's don't always follow. flipping it. You yeah. guys don't understand me. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yes. It at first I just thought it was a little weird, but Sibo saying it like her aura has changed feels like something more. Yeah, well, seeing you as a temple of helm and also on the back of that big dragon guy that we freed uh, is also kind of weird. Yeah. Uh I don't know what that I don't know what that's about. I it just doesn't make any sense. Maybe I don't know, I don't understand why uh I'm blanking on his name. I don't I don't understand why Elmsper disappeared. Maybe what he showed us was wrong. Maybe it was a lie. I just it doesn't make any sense. Well, he was clearly terrified after he disappeared. Well, when he, he popped scared. back up. Yeah. And very bloody. Yeah. Well, I don't know what's coming before us, but I know, uh, I don't know that I'm well equipped enough to uh, be of much use. Unless we go find some more good things. Uh, maybe we'll find some good relics worth taking, worth bringing along. Let's go take a look. So I'm headed off to find Brightfin at Seashell Sundries. Okay. Spot and Puck, give me perception checks as you begin to wander out into the main expanse of Haven and begin to kind of like Look around for this coral marketplace. Uh, 16. Okay. 25. Between the two of you, um, there's a lot of strange things that you notice about everything here. There's always a strange current in the water, like almost like a swirling energy. Um, and every now and then, as merfolk pass you, some just ignore you as if, you know, you're just visitors. Some, like, look at you with kind of inquisitive looks. But every now and then you could hear mindful intrusions of, oh, you know, just kind of like that general kind of nodding at curiosities of things that are kind of walking by. There's quite a few of uh, onlookers staring at Spot with a bit of 
trepidation. Spot is not the most glamorous of swimmers. Um, <laughs> while a, a, a very land-dwelling creature that can perform quite eloquently, underwater is not his forte, as you might want to say. So it does garner like kind of like strange looks to see Spot like cat paddling, you know, through the water, just trying to, you know, maintain a, a motion. But he immediately gets this like bright look on his face and he points down and this huge like 5,000 square foot expanse of coral rock. And if you were up on the shore, like up in, uh, up in dry land, it would look like a very bright, colorful marketplace. But in this case, it's just coral reef rock everywhere down this open space. Um, <clears throat> lots of merfolk swimming in between the different stalls and colorations, you know, all of them trading in like strange kind of like crafted items, <clears throat> supplies, like you watch someone buys a roll of uh, a textured fish skin. Um, someone else like buys um, a, a long kind of like seaweed strand of fish kind of laced into it. Like, like they're taking home a, of uh, uh, fish to be uh, made into a meal. Um, there are a lot of jewelry and um, precious item stalls that you kind of pick up on. Um, people selling all manner of either uh, uh, beads of fine craftsmanship, <coughs> like, <coughs> like maybe it's designed to be worked into their hair. In fact, as you move amongst the crowd, everyone is dressed in like what would be considered nice attire um nice vestments and they're always kind of like sewn into their vestments are like pearls and uh, small stone precious stones um you can see where they use like really nice tiny tiny uh seashells woven together as part of their vestments as well and some of them are wearing the standards at their station. Um, you see your first group of, council, of of the Tide Council Wardens kind of swim by about a dozen um, merfolk wearing warden's attire. And um, they carry small um, announcing horns on their belts. And they just seem to kind of like just keep an eye on the area and the places and moving through and for all intents and purposes, it feels like a very busy kind of marketplace community that you would see up on land. It's just catering to this particular culture in this particular environment. Um, is there anything in particular that you two are looking for? Spot, anything on your shopping list? I kind of want something to make this a little less awkward. Um, yeah, uh, this, I, I, this isn't me. This is my robes. My robes are wearing this. Awful. I hate it. Why don't you just swirl your tail like a little propeller? <laughs> a mental image. Now, like like a little puffer fish floats by you, spot, and suddenly sounds like earthen. Why don't you use your tail as a propeller and just fl floats right on by you? Just gonna skeptically just kind of sit down like <laughs> and just like. You know, uh, Prince Cross Applesauce just in there, like, does it work? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. It just slowly goes in a loop, doesn't really do anything. 
Ah. Whisper back to the fish. That's why. <laughs> um. Okay. So I'm I'm hearing that we need some new uh new drip, if you will. <laughs> um. And. All right. Uh, fuck. D six inspiration. <laughs> that was good. That was um, pretty spot and on. And some food because I'm very excited to know what food looks like down here. Same. Like I will add this to my repertoire. Also, all this yeah. stuff about like me, like just saying, made an assumption here, but no, no, I'm wrong with it. I mean, we've been thinking about getting here for such a long time. We've really been dreading it. So seeing some normalcy down here would be very uh, interesting. So as you guys drift down into the coral market stalls, um, beginning to look for a sampling of food, maybe look for um, a change of attire to kind of blend in with the environment. Um, Earthen and Xanath, you begin to drift through a different section of Haven, up more on the coral bluffs that overlook down below where you guys initially had landed and kind of put the ship back in its small uh, magical device. And in these coral bluffs, you could see the kind of like um, platforms of like shops and, and other kind of like um, purposely built dwellings into the coral. Um, and you could see um, people floating in and out. But every now and then you see um, you like see people riding uh, dolphins. Um, you see a merfolk kind of like holding on to the dorsal fin of a dolphin and it like takes them very swiftly up to one of the higher points of the coral. Um, you then see a couple more that are taken swiftly down um, towards the bottom of like uh, sections of the haven. And that's when you can also see like the 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 uh, coral market um, coral markets down below uh, because you guys have kind of come up a, a bit higher. And sure enough, um, well, so here's the challenge you have. You don't speak merfolk, um, but they they are a traditional Sylvan language. So while Earthen doesn't understand the writing above the shop, Xanath would pick up on it being a, of half-elf and, and having Sylvan language in her background. Um, and you see, you know, the seashell sundry shop um, emblazoned in bright, colorful stone and seashell kind of presentation but once again, they don't really do windows and doors here. So it's just like this cavernous opening that takes you inside and everything's underwater, right? It's, I mean, it's a completely submerged place. So there's merfolk drifting in and amongst. Everything that's here that's holding everything is either made of coral, like the interior, you know, protrusions are, of coral are used as shelves. You know, you could see where a bookcase is made out of whalebone. Um, so like everything is like made out of things that don't suffer the detriments of being in underwater or for that matter, even seawater. Um, but you don't see any sign of books. Like you don't see any books anywhere. They probably wouldn't survive down here for very long. But what you do see is a huge litany of just well-curated like nautical findings that you would get off of ships and 
you know, um, shipwrecks and things, you know. You're also beginning to understand that the merfolk may not understand completely all of these nautical findings. Um, you know, there's like a brass hurricane lantern on a shelf. Um, you know, they just call it like, they, they don't, even, you know, they probably don't know that it needs to be lit. So they're probably selling it as like a containment device. Um, you can see like lots of different things that would tell you, you know, plates and silverware and flatware and ceramics and drinkware and anything of a, any kind of organic nature, like leather and, and fabrics probably wouldn't survive very long. Um, but you're also seeing some like, like along an entire wall is uh, uh, about three dozen variations of weapons. Um, but they don't show any signs of corrosion, which automatically tell you that they're probably magical. And you can tell by the quality of their make that they are definitely probably magical. And there's like, there's some daggers, short swords, long swords. You can see a couple halberds. Um, you could see like a, a handful of axes. Um, you could see like uh, 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 some longbows hanging on pegs. But they're on the wall behind like corroded and kind of like very rusted looking metal cases that are like just little cargo boxes that have been opened up and they're filled with all manner of like random jewelry, gemstones, coins. Um, and there's a particular merfolk here that is like swimming in amongst the other merfolk. Um, but he's wearing like a shopkeeper's attire and he comes swimming out of uh, a bunch of busybody merfolk on the other side of his store. And he's floating near the two of you as you come in through the cavern entrance. Um, and you can hear his mind immediately kind of just very boisterously. Oh, oh, I know you are those people that arrived here this morning. The reason we went, we don't go to the surface often. Uh, uh, may I know your names, please? I'm Earthen. Pleasure to meet you, Earthen. Uh, Zareth, uh, I am Brightfin. Um, is there anything that my humble shop could possibly offer you? A friend of ours told us you may have relics and other items you've scavenged out of. Oh, yes, I scavenge many different things that I find in many different shipwrecks. Um, would you happen to have any instruments that could be used down here and I'm going to kind of point to my vial that's clearly oh. useless underwater. Yes, that would be difficult. It requires air for you to use your instruments. Um, well, the instruments we use down here are made of seashells um, and, uh, and uh, coral and uh, oh, we, I do have a, a lute made of whalebone if you'd like to take a, a look at it. May I try it out? Of course. Um, he kind of like swims over and reaches up onto a, a rack of instruments made out of whalebone and pulls a lute uh, and brings it over to you. Now, uh, the, the, the threads of the lute, the, the strings of the lute are made of fine platinum, uh, resistant to the corrosion of, of the sea. Um, the entire um, uh, uh, Loot is made of a single whalebone 
um, crafted by hand by uh, a merfolk artisan. Um, and it does have magical properties associated to it as well. Are you willing to share those magical properties or shall I try to discover them myself? Um, they give you advantage on your performance checks. Um, they also, um, uh, uh, whenever you do perform uh, underwater with it, um, it creates a 20-foot bubble of detect magic. I'm going to strum <laughs> and yeah, to, to try and make that, to see how the detect magic works. You, as you strum it, the bubble of energy is around you, uh, which immediately gives off all the, uh, the realization of all the weapons and some other items here that you could see on, sh on the coral shelves are kind of like broadcasting little kind of magical kind of glimmers of recognition. Um, and, it, and you notice that it, that it produces music telepathically. Can it, uh, can the detect magic detect like degree of magic or is it just generalized? It's just very general, just not general, even like, school. This thing's magic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I certainly like this. Um, yeah, I, I believe uh, I'll be purchasing this, but uh, if you would hold it for me for now, I, I would like to continue looking around. Of course, and he takes it from you, goes over, swims over to a large counter, and he sets it down there, uh, exchanges like a conversation with another merfolk, and um, the two of them kind of like uh, uh, exchange words briefly. Um, telepathically, although they're able to isolate separate conversations. Um, so you're not really sure what they're saying. And he floats back over to stand, you know, to float like amongst the two of you. My, my head is woefully without adornment. Um, oh, I don't sell hair. I'm sorry. Haha. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Have your inspiration back. <laughs> uh, I, I oh, noticed, like you know, you've woven gels and other things in, into into people's hair uh, around, but uh, do you have any other like circlets or other other magical headpieces? I do have some. Circlets of magic made of precious metals, and that's why they don't corrode. Um, I also have some local creations that I can offer you, made of seashells and, and coral rock and other adornments as well. The question is, is there a particular magic you'd like it to do? Being able to move from one place to another uh, instantaneously is incredibly useful. Uh, but especially to traverse longer distances can be even more useful. I found uh, through fighting in the past, I've had to make a few brief, if not quick, escapes. Uh, it saved our life on a number of times, but uh, that tires me very quickly. So either if I can 
boost the amount of magic I can do, or if it can store or capture some kind of uh, spell that would that would also be great. <coughs> I, I I do have a um, device. Um, uh, it is called the Circ- Circlet of the Merfolk's Grace. Um, uh, the the nice thing about this one, it, it, it can increase your swim speed by 15 feet um, and grant you a plus two uh, to your dexterity saving throws. Can I, can I look at it? Of course, he goes over, um, and he pulls like a silver circlet out of a small coral box, brings it over to you. Um, it's lined with blue and green scales around the silver metal, um, and it's uh, it, it takes on the pattern of waves interwoven into the circlet. It's beautiful. I think I'll take this too. Um, you know, communicating under the sea is is quite nice. Being able to do this yes. across our minds, this could be a handy utility above above water as well. Do you have any items that might uh, <coughs> permit this sort of action? Unfortunately, everything I have is mostly geared for down here. Um, I do have another circlet. Um, it's called Circlet of the Tidal Mind. Um, grants the wearer the ability to breathe underwater and communicate with all aquatic creatures. Closest thing I think I have, but probably would not be of use on dry land. Looks like I want that so Let bad. Let me take, <laughs> take a look at that one too. Uh, it's made from polished seashells. It's like entwined with strands of seaweed. And then there's a small sapphire center on it. Um, uh, and it the whole piece like has like an oceanic shimmer to it. I think I might take this as well. Um, Xanth, are you looking for anything? Um... I would love it if there was something that would make me a little harder to hit. Uh, are you looking for protection or swiftness? Uh, I think protection. Hmm. Let me see what I have in my inventory then. Uh, 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 we don't cater to normal armaments of, of, of like, you know, uh, armor of that would be attached to your physical armor. We just simply don't fabricate such things. From time to time, I do find things in shipwrecks that I think might have um, of interest. Um, I do happen to have discovered um, uh, a very nice uh, set of braces um, that are of um, uh, that are that are of Dondalian make. I found them in a shipwreck that I think was operating under a Dwindalian standard. A very old shipwreck. Um, and not much survived uh, on it, but I do have these braces of deflection. Um, if you wear them, 
gives you plus two to your armor class um, against ranged attacks. And it gives you the ability to catch missiles as if you're one of those fast-reacting monks, of course. That sounds great. Uh, can I do like a side look at Earthen and see if he's looking sketched out by the bracers? Because they're Dwendalian. Give me an insight check. All right. Uh, that's a 22. Okay. Do you uh, have a reflexive response when he mentions the Dundalian Bracers? I mean, as he says it, I immediately glance over and I'm like looking l- like looking at them. Um, I would say he's more interested in the ship they would have come from, though. Okay. Uh, like, but not like the, the the, the, just anything mentioning Duendal, I'm gonna like mm-hmm. hone in to listen. But it's more, I want more information about stuff. The braces themselves, yeah. Kitty, they are fancy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> kitties, kitty. Huh. Oh, and I do have this other item. I, I grabbed it because, well, frankly, uh, it's made of fabric, I know this, but it doesn't decay. It doesn't suffer to the uh, the happenings of the ocean. Um, so I figured it must have been magical. Um, I had it identified. It's called the Mantle of the Sentinel. Um, grants the wearer a plus one to their armor class um, and advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Ooh, that sounds great. And it's like a it's like a really finely woven cloak. It's got it's adorned with like symbols of eyes and shields, and it's got like a very kind of obvious kind of arcane aura pulsing off of the fabric. And it's made of an unknown fabric, and it doesn't seem to be suffering any kind of decay being in being in the ocean. Do either of those require attunement? Um, the mantle, the sentinel would definitely require attunement. The bracers of deflection uh, would also require attunement as well. Okay. Pretty powerful items. How much would those two cost? Uh, well, I do trades. Um, if we do the whalebone loot, the two circlets, um, if you were to. F- throw in the braces and the mantle all together, I would imagine we could trade in value of of coin, gems, or if you have objects you wish to trade with me, I could potentially trade with that. We're, <coughs> we're much more of a barter society down here, if that makes sense. While they're talking, can I make a, I don't know, it would be investigation or perception. I'm trying to look and see if there's anything that really strikes out at me as um, out of place, but probably also really magical. Uh, yeah, give me investigation as you look around. Ooh, that was a good one. That's uh, is, that's a uh, twenty-seven. There is something that strikes your fancy, um, and it looks amazing. Like it's it's hanging on 
a kind of like broken bust, you know, like a like a <clears throat> like a, a carved um, mm -hmm. uh, bust of a person, but it, you could tell that it was damaged or whatever. And this guy's probably just using it to hang this necklace on it. Um, it's a pretty solid silver and platinum necklace. Um, the thing that gets you kind of that draws your eye to it is the huge like ruby that sits in the center of the amulet facing and there is like a ghostly energy that pulses inside of the amulet <laughs> brightfin sees you staring at it and goes oh you do have a good eye don't you <coughs> sorry i've been out in the garden all day and i think i'm <laughs> coughing up part of the garden um you do have a good eye um i found that on a flagship um what was the name of the ship uh the sprocket i believe it was called um, um i think it was a recent shipwreck that we came across um quite another dundalian ship i believe as well um and uh i found this in amongst a treasure trove of items and i did have it identified it is called the guardian's amulet Whoever wears this amulet and can control the magic of the guardian spirit within it, you can add plus five to your armor class. Well. I've been told it is a very powerful object, and the spirit that is contained within the amulet itself can be difficult to bargain with. Personally, when I tried to, I did not like the way the conversation was going, as they say. Um, and I decided that, you know, first interested party willing to trade, I'd be more than happy to give a bargain for this one. Really? Well, yes, sentient items make me nervous. And I do believe the spirit of something lives within this object. Right. Oh, and it does require it does require attunement if you choose to wear it. I should think so. You have to convince a spirit. <laughs> oh, and I do have this other ring here, and he goes over to a small seashell, pulls out a ring. Um, ring of elemental resistance. Um, the wearer can choose one type of elemental damage at dawn each day, and the ring grants resistance to that damage type until the next dawn. Does not require attunement. Fine piece. Found it on that same flagship, now that I come to think of it. Hmm. Uh, I'll take the both. Where where was that wreck? Oh, I'm not entirely sure. I think... Uh, I think we... About a week or so ago... Uh, went through some tidal islands, not too far from here, maybe four or five days from where we currently are, um, and uh, went down to the bottom of these base islands because they had very uh, various coral reefs around them. And we noticed a lot of shipwrecks, fresh shipwrecks, actually. Um, we put together some excavation parties, spent a day or two in the shipwrecks recovering objects, um, to be honest with you, it felt like it was a small Dwindalian fleet, to be honest with you. 
Hmm. I wonder what they were here for. Um, yes, I, 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 I think this is a great trove of treasure that you've uh, shared with us. Now, uh, to speak of payment. Yes, what do you have to trade? Trade is the best way. Of course. Um, forgive me. It's an odd item, but it is very magical. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna open the 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 haversack and and cut, like show the anvil without taking it out yet. Oh my! What is that? Uh, this is a truthkeeper anvil. Um, I realize being underwater, there's not. A lot of forging you would be doing, but uh, this anvil is steeped in magic. We were able to manufacture a key uh, out of this that was able to lock away the fire titan that ravaged Nomorks. Oh, an anvil that makes magical objects, then? Yes. Do you know the precise details of what it can do? My understanding was it it was to be used to make or break um, religious-type artifacts. Oh. Sounds nefarious in nature. I don't know if I want to be tied to such a thing. Well, make or break, not just break. I think this thing would require a forge. We know that much, right? Yes. He's kind of looking at it. This is a good start. This is a very good start. So I'll slide it out of the sack. It's like it's with a with a heavy underwater like <laughs> onto the coral floor of the shop, little bubbles yeah. kind of trailing up from it. Uh, go ahead. I I think like Xanth is gonna pull Earthen aside and be like, this is an artifact of the gods. We can't sell this for a couple of magic pieces. This is this is a, a religious relic. Can you use it? I don't know if we can use it or not. I don't know if we'll need it, but it it belongs to a temple. It's not even ours to sell. It was being carried it was being carried to Titan's Reach. Wasn't it being carried by a like a religious organization? Or an organization in that magical object, yeah. <laughs> so we're just gonna dump it here on this turtle to this guy, this random shopkeeper. This anvil of isn't it like an anvil of cord? No, no, it's the truth keeper anvil. As far as you know, it's tied to an organization from Vasselheim yep. um, that is responsible for either forming or breaking magical <laughs> items for purposes of ceremonial use. And it was probably being shipped somewhere and was intercepted. Um, it was intercepted by Vassarus's people who were going to use it on the Obsidian Gate initially but you guys took possession of it. You then eventually, down in the uh, volcanic uh, uh, interaction with, with Erebos... Tried to drop uh, it on a chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
missed. <laughs> that didn't quite work. And then you used it as a way to deal with fashioning the, the key, key yeah. that unlocked him from his prison. And then you gave him the stone. Mm-hmm. Sans has got that look like Earth in the big bad? <laughs> I, I, now that I, I think about our past with you, wait a like, minute. <laughs> am I misremember? Like, this is Alexa asking, like, am I misremembering that, like, we think this is, like, Cord's anvil, isn't it? You think that. Yeah. But Earthen doesn't give a shit about religion. <laughs> okay. Like, if, if from, from his backstory perspective, he mistrusts yeah. everything, including this silly notion of gods. Regardless of the, like, you know, three month journey that he's currently been on and right. seeing plenty of evidence that gods probably do exist. But the, the deeper he goes down his own particular rabbit hole, the less, but, you know, you know, the but less. Are they gods or are they just really, really powerful things way above us? That's, you know. They're gods. <laughs> it's like this great alien creature sitting in this magical throne, all this meat string puppets. <laughs> I mean, do you think the ants think that we're gods? I think we can't. I think we can't sell this hammer, this anvil, and like invoke the wrath of Cord, whose pet we're sitting on right now. Are, we, there has to be other stuff. It there has to be. We have this so is- much shit in that bag. We have like, I think like a bunch of dragon skin. We have like, we have. Regular gold. Hey, sir, do you like gold? Well, I, I have, have some of that. I'm gold. always I have, to, to We have platinum. Have do you like platinum? I have plenty of that. <laughs> I, 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 yes, but you normally when you use gold, silver, platinum, and such things in coin form for barter, it can get quite expensive. We tend to use coins as a form of decoration. I usually trade those coins with craftsmen and artisans that make statues and and other things as religious offerings uh, or or ceremonial offerings. Uh, Sometimes they're fashioned into um, equipment that people wear for protection. What about residuals? I've never heard of residuals. What is that? I'm intrigued. It's a... Extremely valuable material on the surface. It can be used in the place of essentially any other spell component. Now you're lying. You shouldn't fib to a shopkeeper. I'm, I'm There's no such thing. I'm focusing on Xanth right now. Like you want to give away the. You don't want to give away the anvil. But you want to give away the magic bomb stuff. <laughs> I would much rather give away residuum, which they'll use to make magical loots, than give them. An anvil of the gods. It's magic bomb stuff. If you, if, if oh my god. Well, that's one <laughs> use for it. I mean, you and Puck are, you know, the ones that have been using residuum for more violent pretext. <laughs> the whole freaking room was full of residuum and powder, and we almost really, really died. We're underwater. What's the issue? Oh. oh, that's a good point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can only imagine what these one-way telepathic conversations look like. <laughs> <laughs> Bright is just like patiently 
you know, waiting. He sees the giant pile of trade that you guys are kind of like getting ready to offer, and he can see the two of you going back and forth, but not Just knowing what you're saying. Bubbles coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Facial expressions out. are a little, little obvious. <laughs> I'm taking out the uh, the the dragon bone, the blue dragon bone. Oh, dragon bone. That's that's good offering. Do you have any? You wouldn't have oh. to have any scales or skin, would you? Spot, did Spot put the scales in here? Oh, skin reaching down into the bag. Ugh. No, he left that. I think I got some of the scales. I have at least one scale, but uh, I didn't take a lot of that. Well, that's unfortunate. I'd be more than happy it to is. include that in the trade if you want to come back. Well, I can, I can certainly put some gold or platinum on it for now if we need to come back and trade. Certainly. But I am intrigued by that anvil. I think I will take that anvil off your hands. The anvil is not for sale. I apologize. Bit oh. of miscommunication. Perfect's <laughs> like. Oh, unfortunate. Very well. Um, so as the two of you continue to barter with Brightfin and Spot and Puck to send down into the Coral Marketplace, that's where we're going to finish tonight. Um, and we will be back in two weeks. So everybody else hang out so we could chat briefly about the schedule coming up for the remainder of the year. Everyone else out there, be safe, be kind. Don't forget, play a game. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Slow because we're underwater this time. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons to be slow underwater. <laughs>